Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. The writer of the book of Hebrews penned these words many years ago, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Now, if you look at the context of these two verses, what you find is that the writer of Hebrews has just explained some things about the discipline of the Lord. He's explained or is explaining about the race of faith. He's talking about taking a stand and living for Christ. And he is talking to a group of people, at least some of whom, had grown weary, spiritually weary. They were sort of running on empty. They had spiritually been stressed, whether that is from the discipline of God or whether that's just from life circumstances, and they were wearied. And so in these, these two verses that we're looking at this morning, the writer of Hebrews is encouraging those that are experiencing that, that spiritual weariness, that spiritual tiredness, he's, a, he's encouraging them to continue to run their race of faith. Now, this might be a good time to, to explain, how do you know if it's the discipline from God? How do you know if it's just your own circumstances? How do you know that if it's, if it's something that you're making a mistake and you're pursuing that? Well, that takes a lot of wisdom. You have to approach the Bible and you have to get before God and discover what God is saying in those particular circumstances. Because most definitely, sometimes the race that you're running may be very, very difficult and may be very exhausting because you're running the wrong race. Now, let's just go ahead and say, biblically, if you are not running your race, the race of your life for Christ, then you're running the wrong race. Anything else that you're running your race for is not going to end well. It may feel good for a time. It may give you purpose and meaning for a time. It may seem like it's giving you direction. It may seem like it is giving you some good feeling. But I'm just telling you, if you're running your race for anything other than Christ, it's ultimately going to lead to destruction. So you have to run the right race. But only do you need to be running the right race. You need to be running in the right lane. Because sometimes what happens is that we're running the race for Jesus. We're just, we're just in a lane that needs to be changed. Sometimes God needs to change our lanes. God needs to say, well, you're running your race. You're running it really hard. You're running it really well. You're just, you just need a course correction. You need to run your race in a different lane. And there's nothing wrong with that. That happens all the time. But also, we need to understand that sometimes we may be in the right race, and we may be in the right lane, but we need to be running our race in a different way. God may need to change your race. God may need to change your lane. God may need to be in the process of changing the way you're running your race. And so these Hebrew uh, Christians, these, these people of Jewish background who are now followers of Christ, the writer of Hebrews tells them, you're in the right lane and, and, and you're in the right race. But this is the way you need to run 
that race in the right lane, in the right race. This is how you run. And they've grown weary. They've grown tired. Now, that has been a refrain that I have heard over the last few years. It's weird to say years. Over the last few years, probably the last three years or so, from people, everybody say, I'm just so tired. I'm just spiritually worn out. I'm just spiritually tired. I don't seem to be able to, I don't seem to be able to get that spiritual energy back. I can't seem to capture that passion again. I'm just, I'm just wearied. Well, I want us to look at these two verses this morning. I want us to look at what the writer of Hebrews says that we can do, what can we pursue, and moreover, what will God do in us? That's the most important part. What God does in us to help us renew that spiritual energy. Well, the first one we find is this. God restores our spiritual strength. Look back at verse 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands. That word lift there is a word that's found in Acts chapter 15, verse 16, and it's translated as restore. You restore it. You lift it. You lift it back up. You put it in its right place. Sometimes when you see someone running a race and they get really tired, their, their arms, which they've had up by their sides and they're, they're running, they start getting lower and lower and they, their hands are down by their side, just drooping with exhaustion. And so you find that God's word tells us that we are to lift our loosened, our drooping, our relaxed hands. We are to have God, allow God to restore our spiritual strength. If we're relying on anything else to restore our spiritual strength other than God, that's ultimately going to fail. It's a short-term fix for an eternal problem. The eternal problem is we need God's strength. We can't do it by our own power. You find in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, a very beloved passage. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. Aren't you glad he's the everlasting God? He's not a temporal God. He's not a God in just the good times. He's not just a God in the bad times. He's the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who wait on the Lord, those who allow God to restore their spiritual strength. If you're feeling like you've lost that spiritual vitality and you feel like you are just spiritually exhausted and you are spiritually weary, would you allow God to restore your spiritual strength? Lean on his strength. Lean on his power. Lean on the fact that he is the everlasting God. Now, things come daily. Difficult things may come daily to us. Listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Paul writes, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. Things may come. We may grow old. We may grow tired. The other day, I was brushing my teeth, and I sneezed. Thought I threw my back out. <laughs> you laugh because you know. And I'm like, what is this? What, what is this? You know, what, what is this going on? Look, we, we grow old. We get weary. Our outer self is fading. It's wasting away. 
But that does not impact our inner being, our inner self. Our inner spiritual strength can be stronger than ever before. No matter what our outer self may be doing, our spiritual self can be an incredible shape, incredible spiritual shape, if we allow God to restore our strength. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul has talked about he had a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know what that was, but we find that Paul prays and asks God to remove this thing that is causing him this pain, this discomfort. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, but he, that is God, said to me, that is Paul, so God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul records, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Notice what God says. My power is made perfect in weakness. He doesn't say, you bring me your strength and then I'll see where you're lacking and I'll match your strength. He doesn't say, you're in this 50-50 with me. I'm going to contribute 50% and you contribute 50% and together we can make it happen. He also does not say, well, you get all your plans worked out and then you just bring them to me and I'll tweak them and I'll give you the edits back and then you can just take that and you run with that. No. He says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is completed in your weakness, Paul. And the same applies for us. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. The fact that we are weak, the fact that we are incapable in and of ourselves, the fact we can't fix it, the fact that we can't figure it out, the fact that we can't muscle through it, that fact is a good thing. Because that fact means that we must depend solely upon God. And in the weakness that's where God's strength is most clearly seen. Because it's obvious then, if you're a strong person, if you're this or you're that, or you're very capable or you're all sorts of things, and you run into a situation and you just handle it, people might give you the credit for it. Paul says, I'm in a situation here where the only person who's going to get credit is God. The only person who can bring me through this is God. And God is telling Paul the same thing. Listen, Paul, you have to depend upon me. And in your weakness, that's where my strength is going to shine most clearly. It's like when you go into a jewelry store and you're, you're looking at jewelry, you're looking at some diamond and they will take it and they'll put it on a dark background so that the, the light would catch that diamond and catch all the facets and it would gl- glitter and it would shine. That's the idea. But it's not just a backdrop. It is something that is through and through inside of it for us, that, that God's strength is seen most clearly in us when we recognize that we have no strength in and of ourselves and we have to depend upon God to restore our spiritual strength. We lift up the drooping hands, but it's not just a matter of the drooping hands. He goes on, strengthen your weak knees. So first of all, God restores our spiritual strength. God enables our bold stand. Now this phrase, this phrase about lifting up your drooping hands and this 
other phrase about strengthening your weak knees, it is a callback to something in the Old Testament. It's a callback to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Isaiah telling the people who are undergoing great distress that God's got his hand on them. God has his eye on them. God's attention is upon them. They're going to be okay. And God tells them, strengthen your hands, strengthen your knees, keep running your race. Because God is the one who enables us to take a bold stand, be of good courage, be emboldened. God is going to vindicate them. God always vindicates his people. Always. God always ultimately vindicates his people. It may not be in our lifetime. It may be uh, many years from now. It may be when God sets all things right at the end, but God's ultimately going to vindicate his people. God will vindicate his people who follow his way, his word, because God's always going to vindicate his word. God's always going to come through on his word, no matter how long it takes. He says that in his word. His word will not return to him void. It will go forth. It will accomplish that which he has sent it forth to accomplish. God's going to do what God is going to do. It will come to pass. And because of that, we can have a bold stance. How, where is it where you're most tempted to be frightened or, or fearful of what may be ahead? This word here, this word that is used for strengthen your weak knees, that word is the same word that is translated paralyzed sometimes. Paralyzed. Can't move forward. The difficulty may be so much. The fear may be so great. The anxiety may be so heavy. You say, I, just, I just don't want to move forward. I just don't even want to go. And we're just paralyzed. Instead of being bold and taking a bold stand, we get paralyzed in that. Now, I mentioned earlier that sometimes circumstances come and just because it's a negative circumstance does not mean that you're out of the will of God. Sometimes being in the will of God is the most difficult place to be temporarily. Listen to what Paul writes. Now this is in your outline, but I just want to just jot this down. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now I understand some would say, well, Paul gets an exemption here because Paul was an apostle, and since we're not, an, we're not apostles, then it doesn't happen to us. But you find other places in the Bible that talk about the, the race of faith, the, the walk of faith, the life with Christ. Difficulties come. That is inevitable. It is inevitable because we live in a sinful world. It is also inevitable because the world, the flesh, and Satan want to have their, their best at the life that is lived for Christ and destroy it and tear down that witness to steal, kill, and destroy. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, listen to what Paul says. Now, a little context here. Paul is giving a defense of his apostleship. Some people were saying, well, Paul, he's not a real apostle. You shouldn't be listening to Paul. And so Paul gives a little laundry list here. Paul seems to be a little ashamed to give the laundry list because he starts out in uh, verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast, for you will gladly bear with me, or you, for you will gladly bear with fools being wise yourselves. Paul's getting a little 
uh, smack talking there. Uh, For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. So he goes on, he's, he's basically calling out the false apostles who were calling him a false apostle. And he's saying, listen, they're abusing you. They're saying all these things about you. They're, tre- they're mistreating you and you're still listening to them. So if you're going to listen to them, I think you better listen to me. But notice what he says. Let's just, let me drop down to verse 23. He says, are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman. And what does Paul mean there? He's saying, you, you, Corinthians, you've put me in the position where I'm having to defend my apostleship and now I'm talking like I'm crazy. And so uh, you just have to bear with it and and listen to me. He says, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from the other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So Paul gives this list and says, listen, I am doing what God has called me to do, and this is what I'm facing. He's drawing a contrast to show that these false apostles who said, we're apostles too. Nobody was abusing them. Nobody was coming against them. Nobody was trying to tear them down. No, that wasn't happening. But Paul says, listen, I'm running my race. I'm doing what God has called me to do. And it's hard. But Paul understands that when it comes right down to it, he can boldly stand upon the word of God, upon the mission that God has given him. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. If we could just trust that is true, do you know how many problems in our lives would be completely eliminated? If we just truly trusted that God was with us, if we just truly trusted that God was all-powerful, if we just truly trusted there's not anything that comes into our life, anything that happens to us, but what God has not supernaturally watched over that, if we just understood that, how much anxiety and fear and worry and doubt would be completely and totally dispelled in a moment if we just truly believed God is who he says he is. And then we can take a bold stand for him because God himself is our God. Listen to what Paul records in Ephesians 3, I'm, I'm sorry, Ephesians 6, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. He's just outlined the armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. We are to stand firm. We are to have a bold stand, a firm stand. We are to strengthen those paralyzed knees, those knees that are shaking out of fear, those knees that are shaking out of worry or doubt or or just uh, inactivity, just looking ahead, just the uncertainty and not moving. There was a story that was related many years ago about a a man who was in the army in Europe and he was saddling up on his horse many, many years ago to ride into battle. And some of his men noticed that right before he mounted up, his knees were shaking. His knees were just wobbling out of the fear. And his men were looking at him and he he mounted up and 
looked down at his men, looking at him with his legs shaking. And he looked down at his knees and he said, shake away. You would shake even more if you knew where I was about to take you. That's a bold stand. That's a bold stand. That's being able to say, okay, God, there are some things I don't understand. God, there are some things I'm uncertain about. God, there are some things I'm fearful about. But go ahead, knees. You just shake away. God's going to enable me to stand boldly. God's going to enable me to go forward. God's going to enable me to do what God has called me to do. You're running low on your spiritual vitality. You're running low on your spiritual in- your energy. Maybe you need to ask God, God, strengthen, strengthen my knees that are just paralyzed. Strengthen my knees, my spiritual knees that just don't want to seem to move forward. But not only that, look at verse 13. And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. So God restores our spiritual strength. Lift up the drooping hands. God enables our bold stand. He, he, he tells us to strengthen our weak knees, and we do that by his power. But also, God directs us to walk straight. He tells us to walk straight. Look at this phrase in verse 13. He says, make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. It's the idea of a runner or someone walking, and as they're walking, maybe they're walking on uncertain or unsteady or unsure ground, maybe it's a little uneven, and as they walk, they've got an injury. So the people he's riding to, I mean, they are, they're limping along, they're tired, they're exhausted, they're spiritually limping. And he says, you need to walk a straight path because you're already limping. So if you walk a straight path and you walk the right way, then you'll get healed. You're not going to put unnecessary strain on that ankle, on that foot, maybe twisted, maybe turned. But if you walk a straight path, it will get better. And he says, but you need to walk a straight path because if you don't do that, what is lame, what is you're limping on might become dislocated. It might become completely turned aside. That's another way that that phrase is translated in the New Testament. When it talks about people turning aside, Paul writes in First and Second Timothy, uh, writes to Timothy and talks about people who are turning aside. And that's the same word that's used then, out of joint. They've gotten twisted out of joint and dislocated themselves spiritually. So he's saying if you're going to walk and you find yourself limping, then walk the right way. Because if you get off the track if you if you get too far to one side or too far to the other or you run in the wrong way then that injury that is a discomfort might become a disaster don't let your spiritual discomfort become a spiritual disaster if god you find that discomfort and god is offering that discipline to get you back in line then get back in line you don't want to be dislocated you don't want to go through life with some sort of spiritual dislocation that's far more painful and far more serious when it comes to healing and mending and restoring than a limp. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Listen to what we find in Proverbs 4.26. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. 
Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Ponder the path of your feet. Think about the way that you walk. It's, it's almost as though we, and I'm not saying everybody does this. I, I, know, I know it's been true in my life at times. I, I know that I've talked to many other people and they've, they've talked about how they've experienced the same thing. Sometimes what we do is we, we live as though we're trying to reach a point that we can just basically kick our life into neutral. Like I just want to get to a point spiritually that I'm just comfortable enough that I can just coast. Well, but nobody coasts in the spiritual life. That doesn't happen that way. I mean, you may have some uphills, you may have some downhills, you may have a lot of level ground, but you never just get to coast. It's never, I just want to reach a certain point and then I'm just going to, I'm just going to coast. I'm doing enough as it is, I'm just going to coast. I, I feel like I am mature enough so I'm just going to coast. I'm just going to remain right here in this place, in this space. Not going to mature, not going to go any further. I'm just going to rely upon all the stuff that I've done before. But you don't, you don't find that in God's Word. We have to ponder the path of our feet. We have to think about how we're walking. Now, now I know sometimes uh, you know, I've talked to people over the years and they will say, well, I am thinking about it. I'm thinking too much about it. And they think so much about how they're walking that they don't even walk. You know, you, they, they get so focused on all the details and they get caught up and they get stuck. And maybe they get into some form of, of you know, uh, analysis paralysis. And they just keep going around and around and around and around and around. And they, they just can't figure out what to do next. And they just don't do anything. They just sort of sit down on the edge of the race course. Say, well, I'm just not going to move until I get it all figured out. Well, can I tell you, you're, not, you're never going to get it all figured out. And you're definitely not going to figure it all out by just sitting there on the side of the race course. We have to get up and we have to move. We have to. Ever how slow. We have to move. We have to move forward. But we find that we are to ponder the path of our feet. We are to ponder our way because God tells us that he is the one who's going to make our path straight. And we have to trust him in that. We have to trust his word. We have to trust what he says. We have to trust his approach. And if, and if God says, you're in the wrong race, then we need to get in the right race. And if God says, hey, hey, you're in the wrong lane. We need to get in the right lane. We need to make sure we're focused on the right thing in order to move forward. A few years ago, I was invited to take part of a, in a precision rifle course. I know some of you have taken that course by, with John Douglas, great instructor. And uh, I was out there with John and some other guys from, from different places. And we were, gonna, we were like at 100 yards away and we were shooting our rifles and everybody had their rifles all the all the boy toys were all out there Ooh, i like that one. Oh, that's nice i need to make some notes about get me that one um i didn't i didn't get one babe it's okay <laughs> i got a different one but anyway um so anyway we're so we're out there and we're looking at where everybody's looking we're all excited and everything's great it's gonna be awesome and so we get out there and we're we're lying prone and we're shooting and and they're walking through and they're telling you what color target you're shooting at because they had different color targets that way everybody could differentiate and and they and he walked by me and he told me the color the target uh, he said that's your that's your color that's what you're shooting at I said, got it no problem a little little square out there in the distance and i was like no problem you know and all of them are eh, fairly close together but i mean we're all in this lane we're all lying down on our on our mats and everybody has their rifles and their their ear protection and their eye protection and so we start firing well we fire our first string of shots or so and then we went down to, to look and, and I walked down there and I, I don't have, I don't have any bullet holes on my, on my target. 
Now, if, if, you, if you know me, you know what a blow that was. And, and I, I said, well, I, I, missed, I missed it altogether. And I'm sitting there looking at this, and this guy next to me is talking to another gentleman. And one of them says, thought you fired three shots. He said, well, I did. And the other guy said, well, there are six holes. And, and I look over, and I was like, well, those three look really nice right there. And I'm looking, and he looks at me, and he said, did you shoot my target? And I said, maybe you shot my target. And he said, no, I don't think so. I had this color. And I said, that is that color. And he said, no, it's not. So I lifted my orange-tinted <laughs> shooting glasses, and I said, oh, that was your target. And he said, yes. And I said, those three shots are mine, by the way. That's, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that bad. I, that, that's, and he said, okay, whatever. And so I went back and I asked him, I said, can I, can I just not use these particular glasses? Because uh, clearly I, uh, with the orange tint, you know, purple is looking like red and red's looking like blue and everything's looking like everything. And I can't, I can't, I can't tell. Well, without that, I was fine. I was fine. And I could, I could shoot straight. I could see straight. And sometimes that may be all that happens. Sometimes it may be, it just may be a, a lens problem. It may be something that's the way that you're viewing it. Like everything is set up. You're doing everything right. You're, you're focused. Everything is as it should be. Except the view is obscured just enough to change the way everything looks downrange. And by the same token, whenever we look at God's word, God's word directs us to walk straight. God's word enables us to walk straight. When our lens of our own human understanding and our own human vision, when that begins to fail and we begin to say, oh, it's just, it's a little blurry. It's, it seems a little off. I'm missing the target. We go back to God's word and allow God's word to write our vision, to correct our view, to get us in the right lane so that we're running in the right way. And so what is what we're limping on doesn't become dislocated. What is at first a discomfort doesn't become a disaster. Same idea is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Paul writes, look carefully then how you walk. Spiritual, spiritual walk. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. That word carefully is the word acrobos in the Greek. You might be able to guess. We get our word acrobatics, acrobat, from this word. It means with exactitude. It means something that is very carefully timed and very precise. He says you need to walk your life like, well, in an acrobose way, in a one foot in front of the other way. You don't see anybody swaggering on a tightrope. It's not a good idea. It's one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, in front of the other. It's a very straight path that that acrobat has to walk. And Paul writes and says, walk acrobos, walk carefully, walk exactly, walk with care. How do we walk with care? We go back to God's word and allow God's word to continually transform us 
into the likeness of Christ so that we are walking as Christ walked. That's the point. That's the point. Did Jesus get tired? The Bible tells us he did. Did Jesus get weary? The Bible tells us he did. Did, did, did these things that Jesus experienced, all those physical discomforts? Yes, absolutely. But Jesus walked that path. Jesus walked the way that his father had laid out for him. And we are too as well. Even when it feels like we're leaning on empty. My strength, says God, is made perfect in weakness. Let me, if we're looking at the title of this sermon, let's think about it in this way. My fullness is best seen when you're most empty. When you have reached that point that the, the needle on your spiritual gas tank is solely, firmly pointing toward E, that's when God can say, listen, I can, I can pour into you. You've exhausted all your efforts, I can pour into you now. You've done everything you can do, I can pour into you now. You're willing to take your hands off of it and allow me to work? I can do this now. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So if you're experiencing that spiritual weariness right now, can I just tell you, be encouraged. Rely upon God for that strength. Rely upon God for that stand. Rely upon God to show you that straight path to walk, and he will show you that. And if you're here this morning or you're watching or you're listening and you would say, I'm not in the right race. You need to get in the race for Christ. You need to walk for Christ. That means we turn from our sin and ourself and we turn toward Jesus alone and we surrender and we turn toward him and pursue him. That's what it means. Jesus came and took our place on a cross, died a sinner's death for us. And if we trust in him, we trust that that's what he did for us. We trust that he forgives sins. We come to him in, in repentance and we turn from our sin and self. We confess our sins to him and we surrender our lives to him. Then he puts us in the right race. He saves us. He gives us a home in heaven. And then he transforms not only the way we run the race, we seek for him to put us in the right lane and then run his race in the right way. How do we run it the right way? We run it like Jesus ran it. How can we possibly do that? Because Jesus runs that race through us. Jesus is the one who empowers us to run the race for him. So are you weary? God gives strength. You don't feel very bold. You don't feel very brave. He'll give you a bold stand. You're limping along. Make straight paths. Seek the straight paths according to God's word. And he'll bring that to a place of healing so that it won't be dislocated further. That's how you run. That's how you run when you feel like you're on empty. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you. God, we give you, we give you thanks that in our weakness, your strength is most clearly seen. We give you praise and honor and glory that when we feel like our knees are paralyzed and our hands are drooping, that you are the one who lifts our hands. You're the one who strengthens our knees so that we may be able to stand having done all that we just stand for you. And Father, we're thankful that you're the one who directs our paths. You're the one who makes our paths straight, makes them obvious, makes them plain. And Father, I pray that those of us who are followers of Christ would walk those paths in such a way that brings you the most honor, glory, and praise because you are the one walking through us. And Father, I pray for anybody that's never made a decision to follow you. 
Maybe they're weary because you've been trying to get their attention. And you've been calling to them and dealing with them and drawing them and and speaking to them and convicting them. Maybe that's been going on for a while. Maybe it's something that just in the last few moments you've been dealing with their hearts. Father, I pray that today would be the day they would respond to Jesus. Today would be the day they would say yes to Christ. Today would be the day that they would say, no more living for myself, no more running my race and my way for my goals and my purposes and my glory, but rather, I want to run my race for you, Jesus. I want, to, I want you to receive all the praise. I want you to receive all the honor and all the glory because, Father, I just want you to be the one. So, Lord, I pray that you would do just that today. Father, for those here, here today that are so very weary, Father, I pray that by your spirit and by your word, you might just give them a spiritual second wind or third wind or fourth wind or whatever it is that they need to continue running their race for you. May you be glorified in this time as we have this time of response. Father, may you, may you enable just that boldness to live for you and to step out for you, to walk for you, so that you may be seen in a world that desperately needs Jesus. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.